by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. We've been talking about getting rid of fear, and we've been two weeks on it. Last week, Brother Tom ministered for about 15, 20 minutes, and we had a follow-up time discussion, and talk more about fear. I really wasn't planning on talking two weeks on fear, but God wanted to talk two weeks on fear, I guess. And what do you do once the fear begins to leave? You just leave an open room in your heart and let whatever you want to come in? You better replace that, right? Anytime you get rid of something out of your heart, you better replace it with something good. So uh, we're going to talk tonight about how to replace fear with faith. How to be courageous and bold Christians. Today's message is entitled, Be a Bold Bear. A bear, B-E-A-R. Be a bold bear. Yes. <clears throat> I'm going to show a video. This was originally shown by Pastor Buddy when I first got saved in church, and I still remembered it, and so I saw it the other day, and I said, man, I'm going to show that in church. So here we go. Say, God's got my back. God's got your back, that's for sure. And if you keep running from fear, it's eventually going to consume you. At some point, you're going to have to turn around and face your fears. And, uh, you know, if you've got any wounds or anything, the Lord will he'll lick you clean. He'll help you out there. We have to, at some point in our life, we've got to turn and be a bold bear. Say bold bear. bold bear. We need to be bold bears for Christ. Well, we have an advantage the little bear didn't know. We know that God's got our back. Uh, you remember the story when Jesus was, uh, he was invited to a wedding and he went and he brought some of his disciples and his mom was there and everything and everything was going fine in the wedding and back then weddings used to last about a week or so I think if I'm not mistaken they'd be long events you know festive events and uh, so about midway through the wedding the wedding party runs out of wine to drink you know and so this is just this major catastrophe you know it's going to look terrible on the family you know it's just, it's just be a, a an issue and so Mary, Jesus' mother, goes to Jesus and said, Jesus, you got to do something. And Jesus is like, uh, no, no it, ain't, it ain't my time yet. Uh, I don't know. It almost seemed like he had a little apprehension, you know, like uh, uh, I, I hadn't started my main ministry yet, and this is, you know, I don't, you know, I, I, don't, I didn't picture it like this. You know, <laughs> this would be my first miracle. But, but his mother must have seen him do some practicing on miracles at home or something. I don't know, because she knew that he had the ability to do something. So she told the servants, whatever he says, do it. And so Jesus, I don't know if he thinks about it or what, but he says, he decides to go for it. He says, okay, take them six water pots and big old heavy water pots and, and go fill them with water and bring them back. And so the servants did what Mary had instructed. They had listened to Jesus, and, and they brought him back. He said, okay, 
draw out of the, one of the water pots and go give it to the governor of the feast, the master of ceremonies. And they was like, give him water? And so poured it in the cup and brought it to him, and he drank it. And he's like, what are y'all doing bringing me water? What, did you run out of wine? Who, who put water in the wine buckets? And they said, it, it was Jesus. It was that guy over there. He told us to. Jesus, what are you doing, son? And Jesus said, oh, I don't know. I, I kind of thought God might help me out on this one. I don't know. I was, I was just trying to step out in faith. Well, Jesus, maybe you need to start in the nursery or something because you're not ready for full-time ministry yet. Is that what happened? <laughs> no. No. The, the master of ceremonies drank it. And he said, wow, this is the best stuff right here. You saved the best for last. And God does that for us. So how did Jesus step out so boldly? You know, that was the first miracle that he ever did in his public ministry. How did he know that God would do what he asked? How did he know that God would back him up? Because, you see, he operated as a man. Oh, yes, he was fully God. He was 100% God on the earth, but he was also 100% man. Only in God's math, mathematical equations could that be possible. But he was fully God and he was fully man. But he had divested himself of his, you know, godly, uh, what'd you call it, huh? His position when he came down to earth. And, and he operated as a man, I believe. I believe he operated with the same faith that we, that's available to us, the same Holy Spirit that's available to us. Why do I think that? Because so many times we're told to look to Jesus as, you know, our example. And everything points to us doing it like Jesus. Now, if Jesus came down as God, and he was doing everything as God, that wouldn't be very fair on us, would it? It says in Hebrews 4.15, this high priest of ours, Jesus, he understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. And we know that the Bible says that everything is not of faith is sin. So in all situations... He was able to have faith in God. And then it says something, it says, it immediately switches and says, so let us come boldly <coughs> to the throne of our gracious God. How do we come? Boldly, like bold little bears. I think it's showing us how Jesus did it. It says he was able to overcome sin by, not, by having faith and believing God because he also came boldly to the throne of our gracious God where you receive mercy and we find grace to help in our time of need. You know, if we really believe the things we say we believe, if these scriptures really sunk deep and hit home with us, then uh, some of these things that we just pass right over, we read right over and, and go to the next verse, we, we would stop and just awe. Of, oh my goodness, you mean we can come boldly to the throne of God Almighty? Wait a minute. It says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. I mean, we're talking about the one who flung the stars into existence. We can come into there. If we can come boldly before the God of the universe, what else can't we do boldly? I mean, really, that's probably the most 
bold thing any of us will ever do is to have the audacity to go before a holy God. And it's only because why? Because we, we can come through the blood of Jesus. But then when we stop to think, that blood was shed for us. Man, this stuff is, you know, the hardest part about tonight, when I, I prepared and I prayed over tonight's service, I was like, you know, I'm going to read some very hard-hitting verses. But the problem is, is everybody has already heard these verses. It's like you got to hit them with something new before it'll sink in. That ought not be. These verses that I'm reading tonight are to just rock your world. We can come boldly to the throne of God and find grace and mercy in our time of need. And when we get a sense of what that love that shed his blood for us entails and all the implications that arise from having access to God like that, all our foes should just seem <laughs> insignificant at best. Fade away and, and blend in with the rest of society because, man, I've been with God. I can go before God. Do you want to be a bold bear? Believe what you say you believe. Do you believe the word of God? Think about it like that. Think about, <laughs> we take so many things for granted because, you know, it, it's our belief system. No, it's more than that. It's the truth. God is your Father now. Ephesians 3.2 says, because, Christ, because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Romans 8.31 says, what shall, shall we say about things as wonderful as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Think about that statement. If we got a hold of that. You know, well, I won't get there yet. It says, since he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else we need? So why are we worrying? I mean, if he gave us Jesus, is he going to let us starve to death? <laughs> if he gave us Jesus, you know, what won't he give us? It says clearly he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything that we need. All the promises of God are yes and what? So we know all these scriptures. Y'all could quote them better than me. But man, it's in the getting it. It's when, it's when the logos becomes rhema. It's when the, the written word becomes revelation. You know, when we stop Talk in religion and start living relationship. When it becomes a, more than a theory, but a reality. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who can dare accuse us? If God is for us, and, and we know he is, he proved it on the cross. He spent his, spent his life showing us how to live, and he gave his death to, to make a way for us to come boldly before. So when we spend time in God's presence and in, in that love, it ought to create boldness in us. Uh, we just, as humans, I think we need to know that somebody has our back because we weren't created 
to be whole by ourselves, were we? It's like that little bear, man. When he looked back, it's like, oh. And that's the way we are. We need to know that somebody's got our back. Turn to Joshua 1. Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 5. Now, Moses led the people out of Israel. They wandered the desert for 40 years because they, they, they didn't have the courage, the boldness. They didn't have the faith to go in and possess the land that God had promised them. And so he had to wait for that generation to die off. And now by this time, there's a new generation coming up behind them. And... Uh, God's going to bring them into the promised land. But Moses is 120 years old by this point. And so it's time for him to go. So God leads him up on a high mountain and says, you know, you're not going to be able to bring the people in, but I want you to see the promised land from afar. And that's what Moses was a type shadow of the law. You know, he's the one that came down with the Ten Commandments, and the law can't bring you into the promised land. Only the blood of Christ can do that. So he couldn't go in, but he could bring you up to the Jordan. And anyway, he passed away on that mountain. And then his young disciple, Joshua. Now, Joshua wasn't young at this point. He'd, he'd been in the desert there. He's probably over 80 or 90 years old, I imagine, himself. But compared to Moses, he's a young whippersnapper. And uh, he's never led the people by himself. He's always been assistant to Moses. Could you imagine uh, taken over from Moses. Moses. You know, you're taking over for, you know, that's like trying to fill Dr. Adrian Rogers' shoes, you know, or somebody, you know, Billy Graham or somebody. That's like coming in behind a really awesome man of God. And so even though Joshua had been with Moses and learned all these miracles and all this stuff, he, all these years, and he had seen God, he still probably apprehensive about, do I have what it takes? I know Moses did, and I know God does, but do I have what it takes? Anyway, God's speaking to Joshua. He says, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you. Say, with you. I will be with you as I was with Moses. Now, isn't that what Moses needed to hear at one point? You remember, we talked about this Sunday. He said, God, if you don't go with me, don't send me. I certainly don't want to go where you're not. But God said, oh, Moses, I'm going with you. I'm going with you. Calm down. And now here he is promising Joshua the very same thing. See, we need to know that someone is with us, that somebody's got our back. Then it says, I will not fail or abandon you. I think he would tell somebody here tonight that's the very same thing. Whatever fear is gripping your heart, you need to know God will not fail or abandon you. It's us that fail and abandon him. But even so, God is faithful. In verse 6 it says, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. You say, well, that's just talk to, to Joshua. No, let's talk to you. Be strong and of good courage, because, you know, now we're not talking about possessing land. We're talking about possessing souls. We're talking about going and bringing people into a, a land sure, sure enough flowing with milk and honey, the kingdom of God. 
We're talking about sharing the gospel, and you are the person that he has chosen to do that. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. In other words, obey the law. You know, not one dot or tittle or dot of an eye or anything Jesus says is not going to pass away from the law. He fulfilled the law. And he summed it all up and said, love Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. The law of love. But the law didn't pass away. The law is still good. He just fulfilled it. He said, be, be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. In other words, do what you know is right. Obey God. Do not deviate from them, either turn to the left or right. Then you will be successful in all you do. He says, study the book of instruction continually. Anybody know what the book of instruction is? Of course. The B-I-B-L-E. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Time spent in God's love letter to us and to his instruction manual for our life tends to create boldness in us. We're talking about how to be bold, right? Bold bears. How do we stand up against the fear in our life? Stay in his word. Them promises, man, they will, you'll know what to stand on. You'll have strength in those words. You know, just, just one scripture in the Bible, just, just one, one promise in the Bible, it, it's strong enough to turn this world upside down if somebody would believe it. Like I'm saying, the scriptures that we're talking about tonight, they will radically turn your world upside down if you will just believe them. I wish one of us in here would get a hold of the idea that we can go boldly before the throne of grace. It would turn your world upside down. Matthew 17, 20 says, I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. And nothing would be impossible. Nothing. Turning water to wine. Not impossible. Not impossible. Feeding 5,000 with little boys' lunch. Not impossible. Nothing would be impossible. Fear focuses on your ability. Faith focuses on God's. See, the reason you're afraid is because you know your limitations. You know that you don't have what it takes, and you ain't strong enough, and you're not wise enough, and you don't know enough scripture, and you don't, you, you, you. All creates fear. But faith focuses on God's ability. God is saying, it's not what, I don't need your ability, I just need your availability. I don't need what you can do, I just need you to believe. And that's why we're called believers, not achievers. You don't hear people calling Christians achievers, you call, they call them believers because we simply believe in the Word of God and the one who wrote the Word of God and that it's true. Faith focuses on God's ability. Anyway, back in our scripture, Joshua 1.8 now, it says, meditate on this Word day and night. How many of you guys are reading your Bible every day? Good, good. Good. So that you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. 
Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He's with you. He's with you now. Knowing that God's got your back tends to create a little boldness. Are you starting to see a foundation on which you can stand to be bold? It's all about Him. It's not about you. It never was about you. God created you out of the dust of the earth. It was just an old clay house. And then sin entered in, and then we got worse. God has never, you know, never mind. That's another story for another day. We need to return to childlike faith. God's not giving us the spirit of fear, but of what? Power, love, and a sound mind. He demonstrates his power to us over and over. He shows us his love over and over and over. And as we begin to grasp that, we begin to have a sound mind. And it begins to drive out uh, the fear and bring in the perfect love. You know, little children, they don't fret over who's going to pay the bills and over their safety all the time and all those things. They just naturally trust their parents' ability. They're not thinking about, oh, I'm three, and I don't know how to pay the bills. No, mom and daddy know how. They, tr- they think their mom and daddy have supernatural abilities. They don't worry about it. They're not worried about it. That bear probably wouldn't even have lifted his hand up to look, uh, head up to look at the cougar if he, he'd have known mom or dad was you know, right there with him. It wouldn't have been his concern. You know, It was only because the bear wasn't where the bear was supposed to be that he got in trouble. If you notice that. <clears throat> in the same way, we got to develop childlike faith again. You know, we started out with childlike faith. But then we realized mom and dad were just people too. And then we realized that gravity was real. And <laughs> we realized a lot of other things, you know, that brother and sister ain't no, don't always have our best interest at heart. And, and then you realize, uh, uh, you know, that life comes at you fast. And over a series of events, we find ourselves, whoa, we're beat down and we're, we're living in fear. But once we come to Christ, we begin to believe his scripture, believe he's got our back, believe if we stay under the shadow of the Almighty, we'll be fine. We believe the precious promises in Psalms 91 and all the, throughout the rest of the Bible. And when we stand on that rock of God's word and the certainty of who he is and the power that he has displayed and the love that he has shown... Hey, we're going to be okay. We're going to be just fine, right? And we begin to get bold, and we begin to develop a childlike faith. Daddy's got this. I don't worry about things anymore. Daddy's got it. And most of our boldness, anyway, it comes from the Holy Spirit. It's not even us. (laughs) You know, we can't even really work up a whole lot of boldness. You remember those 120 that, well, it was actually more than that. Jesus told them to go wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. I'm going back to heaven. He told him to go wait. Until, don't, don't try to do nothing on your own. <laughs> wait till you get some power, okay? Go and uh, wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. He meant the coming of the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, it came. But before that, those 120, I don't know where the rest of the 500 or so that was there, but those, those 120 that waited, they weren't all that formidable. You know, nobody was really scared of them. <laughs> you know, no, nobody was worried that they were going to take over the world or anything. But on the day of Pentecost, when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, tongues of fire 
on her head, and a, and a sound as a rushing mighty wind, and the building shook. And all of Jerusalem began to take notice what's going on, and everyone came out and sp- spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance in the, in the different languages of all the people they're visiting in Jerusalem. All of a sudden, those men that had all deserted Jesus in his time of need, they were all stepping up on the soapbox. And Peter stood up and preached a message. And 3,000 souls got saved that day. Wow. That's a way to start a church. <laughs> you know, what if we had 3,000 souls saved in one day? We're going to have to be, open up some bays next door real quick. And this really happened. In the power of the Holy Ghost, he preached that message. And people's hearts were pricked. And they came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it says a couple days later, him and, and John were walking along. And they were going through the gate, beautiful, to go to the temple to pray. And this lame man was looking at him like he expected some alms, some handout. And Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee in the name of the Lord Jesus. Arise and walk. And that man jumped up, leaping, and went around. And everybody knew that this guy had been lame since birth. So another huge crowd's like, what's going on here? And they're, they're whispering and they're telling her, this guy just, this healed this other guy. He picked it, he told him to get up, he got up. And they're about to make, you know, Peter the king or something because he had this power. And Peter perceived, now's another good time to teach him about Jesus. So he stepped up on the hickory stump again and said, boy, let me tell you what. Huh? Something like that. Anyway, he preached another Holy Ghost-filled message. And 2,000 more people, at least 2,000 more, because it said after that there was 5,000 people in the church. And then these same bozos that crucified Jesus saw Peter out there preaching in his name. They had James, I mean, uh, John and Peter arrested and, and uh, beat them, told them don't preach in that name anymore. And then it says in uh, Acts, where's it at? Where am I at? Good night. I'm at church somewhere. <laughs> Man, I skipped a whole section. That's good. Anyway, <laughs> Acts 4.3. We'll get c- through quicker. Acts 4.3. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. This is the same council that had Jesus crucified, you understand. For they could see that they were ordinary men. How many ordinary men we got out there? I'm ordinary. With no special training in the scriptures. It wasn't enticing words of men's wisdom. It was just the Holy Ghost. And they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Boy, that that would probably be the best compliment you could give me to say, man, I recognize you've been with Jesus. That's the best best thing anybody can say about you. And that's the best thing you can do is be with Jesus. So they had them flogged and told them not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And they threw them out. And they left the jailhouse praising God that they had been counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus. (laughs) How many of you would have come out the jail 
after getting beat for preaching, most of us be like, well, I'm not doing that no more. Where was Jesus when we needed him? We preached his name, and now he's letting us get beat and all this stuff. No. They were so full of, full of the Holy Ghost and love for Jesus. They were, they were blessing God for the opportunity to suffer shame for Jesus' name, to be beaten in, in the name of Jesus. Blessed are they when they persecute, are you who get persecuted. For great is your name in heaven. And so they go back, and Peter says, let's have a prayer service. He gets all the guys together, and in Acts 4.31, after this prayer, the meeting place shook. That's the second time the Holy Ghost is shaking the place again. And prayer shakes things. Prayer shakes things. Are you listening? Prayer shakes things. Your prayer shakes the little things, but when we get together, we can shake a lot of things. That's why we have Tuesday night prayer. Prayer shakes things loose that need to come loose. Shakes things out of here that need to be gone. And shakes things in place that need to be put in place. It shakes things up. Shakes things down to where they need to be, according to God's wisdom. Anyway, after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost again. So we're supposed to keep getting filled with the Holy Ghost. You don't do it just one time. You don't receive all of it the moment you get saved. You, you become a container of the Holy Spirit, and you have the Holy Spirit, but you, you are be, be being filled, as it says. You continually need, you ask to be filled. It's a, a process. And so they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they preached the Word of God some more with boldness. He just got beat for preaching the Word of God, and now they're preaching it again. I tell you what, the Holy Ghost will drive out your fear. The Holy Ghost will drive out your fear. You hear what I'm saying? I have seen churches that ain't filled with the Holy Ghost that'll have 900 classes on how to reach the lost. And they will study it, and they will write books on it, and they will talk about it, and they will sit and they will demonstrate how you do it with each other. But they never go win the lost because they're scared. But if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you'll preach Jesus and it won't be no big thing to you. You'll, it'll be a hard thing not to. You keep staying filled with the Holy Spirit. So who is the king of your heart? Are you letting the Holy Spirit on the throne of your heart? Jesus emptied his heart out for us. Have you made room for him? God went all in on you. He, he sold out for you. Are you sold out for him? You ought to be. You ought to be. It's the best thing in the world. Man, trying to ride that fence, trying to get the most out of this life and think you're going to receive anything from the Lord, that's double-minded. You're not going to receive anything from the Lord like that. You're just going to be miserable. You're just making your life miserable. Go whole hog. How many remembers that message? <laughs> go whole hog. Just, just go all in for Jesus. He's, he's not wanting a piece of you. He's wanting all of you. You want to be bold for Christ? Another way, I'll close with this, is keep our eyes on eternity, on eternal matters. You know, it's when you... You're thinking too much about tomorrow and you're worrying about the, the right now and 
and the bills and things of this life that fear begins to creep in. But when you keep your eyes on eternal salvation that is yours in Christ Jesus, the day that's coming, man, all that won't seem like nothing. You keep your helmet of salvation on. That's why that's in part of the armor in Ephesians chapter 6, the helmet of salvation. You know that you're saved, and you know that your eternity is secure. And so this here and now, and so when Jesus asks you to lay down your life, because he who keeps his life in this world will lose it, but if you give up your life for me, then you'll find it. He's saying, don't concentrate on this light affliction called earth, which is but for a moment. But concentrate on me. Focus on me. If you're dead to the things of this world, you're not going to be afraid of this world. A dead man can't be spooked. Have you ever went to a casket and tried it? Ha! He's, I'm not going to do that at a funeral service. You know, it says, uh, how did I write it? Let me write it. Let me say it right. It's at the death of the testator that the new will or the new covenant takes effect. What that means is, it's saying if you, if you write a will out, uh, I'm writing a living will, in case I die, I want this to go to so-and-so and this to go to so-and-so. Well, while you're alive, none of that matters. But when you die, it goes into effect. Well, the Bible tells us that's what happened Jesus was the you know, author of the New Testament, and when he died, it went into effect. But what about in our lives? When we die to self, then the promises of God, whew, the New Testament goes into effect in our life. The more we die to ourselves, the more we live unto God. That new co covenant goes into effect the moment that we die to this flesh and we, we decide we're going to live in the Spirit. Jesus kept his eyes on the prize. That's how he did it. Hebrews 12, 2 says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, but now he's seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. He was able to get through even the cross and the shame of the, and the, the whoopings and the the beating and the crown of thorns and all the things that he endured by keeping his eyes on the joy set before him, which was the day that all things would be made right and, and the day that he, you would come to salvation and the day that we would all be raptured with him and live forever him, with him in the mansions that he's prepared for us and, and all the promises of God, you know, and that every tear wiped away and, no more pain and sorrow and no more crying, no more death. And death has lost its sting and grave is, you know, there's no more graves. There's only life eternal. And so he, he said, okay, I can endure even the cross because I know the end of the book. And when we keep our eyes on the eternal things, we'll be bold as a bear. This, this life will just, <laughs> okay, so I'm going through this. God's got it. 
And, and you know, God's got all of this. Um, I really feel, I felt like in prayer that God wants to minister to our hearts more in the spirit tonight than just my preaching or teaching. I, I knew, like I said, these words, they have the power of eternal life and they, 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 they alone are sufficient, but I, I feel like God wants to minister to your heart tonight. So I, wanted, I put a song on, and I was going to get them to, to play a song, but it's a long song, and I went longer than I wanted to. We got six minutes until eight. The song is 18 minutes long. Uh, but it's a really a song that I believe and I feel that God wanted to minister to you and that he wanted you to worship. And, and that in the worship, if you, as you connect with the lyrics, as you, as you, you know, just let your guard down, let down your cares and your worries and just grasp it that he's going to infuse you with, with courage and power and, and things. If you, if you must go, you know, then it's just slip out quietly. But this song is 18 minutes. And, if, if, you know, if, if you get it and you feel like, you know, you need to go ahead and go, then just do so quietly if you would. Uh, maybe somewhere along the line we'll, uh, maybe I'll come up and, and we'll pray for needs or sickness or whatever. But let's just, let's let the Lord minister to us. Are, are you guys okay with that? These are people ready to go to the next level. You can sit. You can stay seated. Just. The king of my heart, be 
today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.